In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... to you this week by the number of veins that popped in my forehead during show prep. Welcome into episode 18 of the Gospel Friends. I'm David. I'm Chase. Glad to see you're still alive. I'm Nick. David, what was wrong? I'd, I'd do a podcast with you too. <laughs> oh, I forget. We need the general back. Hey, Which a... we, hey I, uh, did you get my text earlier? No. You were preaching when I sent it, so it's probably good that you didn't get it when I sent it. But based on your message today, I, I do unfortunately have to challenge Emmanuel's moniker of the general. There could be more than one general. Okay, that's fine, because the man you named as a general today, in my mind and heart, will always be. Two generals. Okay. That's well, y'all know where I stand on that. Oh, we do. Emmanuel will always be the general. Of your heart. He's a good man, (laughs) and in your heart. (laughs) The general of your heart. That's a good name. (laughs) David, what were you originally going to say for the uh, 18 intro before you got to the veins popping in your forehead? Brought to you this week by the age in which Nick grew his first facial hair. Nice. Wow. I like that one. Welcome into episode 18. That's a shout out of an edit. There we go. So tonight, uh, rock and roll, drinking, um, the sin episode, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) If we're, is it, is it um, Mormons? Is it their year to go and sow their wild oats? Is that the... No, no, that's not. Uh, that's a rum spring or whatever by the Amish. They don't go Amish. sow their wild oats. They go in like a mission year, don't they? No, no, no you're no, thinking no, no. of Mormons. He's the, he meant... Who are you talking about? Uh, rum uh, springer. That's yeah. the thing where the Amish... Um, go and commit as much debauchery as they possibly can. Well, it's can. not necessarily that, but we're going to hear from the Amish now with that kind of a definition. <laughs> You've offended I'm all. sure we have hundreds of Amish podcasts. Oh, wait. I think we're fine. <laughs> all right. Well, let's make fun of the Amish a little bit more. If you want I to, could. contact us on their behalf and let us know how wrong we are. You can tweet us. telegraph, too. I really am interested Cheapers. in what y'all are saying. So they go, and what do they do for that year? They uh, Let's see. See, I was trying to tell So this is in. a real thing. Oh, yeah, it's straight up. Yeah, they um, you use the Google term for adolescents used in some Amish Sorry, communities. Emmanuel. They segregate themselves from other communities as a part of their faith. It begins around fourteen to sixteen, uh, and it ends when a youth chooses baptism into the church. Um, a popular view exists by which this period is a rite of passage. Um, it's obvious. It's apparently different for no. different. I Amish thought you meant like people. you know they started getting. Like they got to just go do whatever they wanted to. For well, they don't do that, but they do get to wear non-traditional clothing. They get to drive vehicles that are actual real cars. They don't have to attend home prayer, and they can some uh, sometimes drink, which fits into the show. Oh, and their parents give them a Commodore 64 and an Android phone. <laughs> oh, oh, and wow. tell them to go nuts. 
<laughs> you really are going to start it. Like I, I thought I was going to get in trouble about the Amish thing. You've really done it now. Well, hit us up on Twitter um, at my gospel friends. Um, have a lot of good discussions. Dis- wow. <laughs> Why is it that I have we lost the ability? We got to take uh, this away from Nick. Hey, no, no. If, well, I can take say it's not because he's drinking. No, I'm not. Yet, um, at my gospel friends on Twitter, facebook.com slash groups slash hall of dogma. A lot of good discussions happening there over the last couple of weeks. Yes, absolutely. If you want to send us voice correspondence, please do so. Voicemail, um, if you're within. <laughs> Can that's I help word. you? A voice correspondence? Yeah, that's that's 205 575 Look, I am a little bit in work mode. It was a long week, and so I'm in that. Yes, Mr. Customer, let's facilitate the, you know. Please Reconciliation of your request. Blah, 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 blah. 205-575-9735 or speak pipe for international lizard, lizards. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he said lizards. He said lizards. <laughs> so international livers and now lizards well, too. There's a good chance that this is edited over. <laughs> I was even going to say, I was even going to say, Nick, here's your big chance to make up for last week. <laughs> Thank you. You were throwing the ball. You dropped it. It's coming right back to you. And we went from livers to lizards. Well, there goes our, our professional podcasters of the year award, oh, which I totally thought we were going to win. Oh yeah, we had wrong. that in the back. You know, I in went into a, I went into a slump for two or three episodes where you could barely speak. I yeah, but that. I got my golden voice back. But Nick now has the. Uh, uh, this is too. Let it go. Maybe okay. it's something. Let it go. Let Chase doesn't. Chase room. doesn't say enough stuff. To, Chase, um, can you tell us about Speakpipe? Since apparently I'm unable to do so. Yes, you can get in touch with us at Speakpipe. Uh, what's the actually? What is the URL? We don't have it in our show notes. Speakpipe.com/slash the gospel, the gospel friends. friends. Okay, and and we'll talk go. about a little bit more in the show about how we're going to use Speakpipe. But we're going to put out a shout out today for our international listeners. Thank you, Chase. Not livers or lizards. <laughs> Our international listeners to help hey, us out. It made kind of, for good album artwork last it, week. It did indeed. Uh, to help us out and maybe become roving reporters for the show and call in, uh, much like uh, Chris Studdard and Dan and some of our other friends have done, we want to open that up to more international folks. It pays nothing and there's no benefits, but um, it would sure make us happy. Uh, yeah, and that's, uh, isn't that important? And aren't we all gospel friends? I think yes, so. we all. We are all gospel friends. All right, so guys, so what is, uh, oh, what's on tap for today? Hey, that's kind of interesting. You just said what's on tap. Yes, it's uh, well, a as sound we, effects board. As we promised from last week, we are going to have the alcohol discussion. So uh, we're going to be talking about can and or should Christians drink. That'll be a big topic for today, and then after that, Nick. See if I had a hold on. If I had a soundboard of no. little sound effects, I would so have had Brad Paisley's alcohol pasted in right there, just ready to go. Sorry. Wow, that wouldn't have offended anybody, probably. Actually, probably a lot, but I'm not sure that we decide. I think what the people that do we would not do based on that. Oh, yeah, I see. yeah. Okay. If we were going to worry about offending people, we probably just wouldn't hit record. Um, <laughs> That's a good motto for the show, actually. <laughs> like that. Uh, we're actually going to talk about. Um, you two, and in a kind of a little bit, but more about music. Um, Chase is FaceTiming someone. Uh, sitting next FaceTiming to sitting me. next to Chase with his phone right next to me. It's like it's the most distracting thing in the world. He, he says I get a lot of text messages, but that thing never stops. From phone calls to text right, messages to head in the game, McConnell. But we're time. gonna. We've had a couple of articles since you know the Apple. Um, 
iPhone 6 announcement, uh, they had a one more, one more thing. And um, Apple was giving away U2's album, and a lot of people have just used that as a season to start talking about them and, in our circles, their faith again. Um, Kevin, uh, one of the co-hosts on the previous show, sent us an article, and um, I've seen it a couple other places just talking about their their faith or lack thereof, are they Christian or are they not? And um, I'm going to dovetail that into another article about music I read this week, but just kind of kind of U2, but also kind of Christian, non-Christian music. Awesome. And we're also going to catch up on some listener feedback and um, dive into at least one discussion, perhaps, from the Hall of Dogma this week. On heretical football. Is that right? Wow. Um, you may be combining a couple of things at the end of the show. Am I conflating two different things? I actually don't know what that word means. Yeah, well, it's the same as combining. It's just a fancier way of saying it. Hey, do you all remember when we used to do the segment called What Were You Thinking? I do. That was a fun segment. Originally, do you remember what the name was? Um, dead air. I uh, nah, couple, first couple episodes. Are you guys drunk? Are you guys oh, drunk? That's right, it yeah. was. So today we're actually going to do what were you thinking? Global edition. I have found um, four stories from all parts of the globe rather intriguing. Want to get you guys Fantastic. comments on them? So we're going to start in um, in Dutch. Where's Dutch at? <laughs> <laughs> the Netherlands, David. <laughs> I may have dropped the ball twice on the contact info in my inability to speak, but where's Dutch at? That's great. That's just a great line. I'll go ahead and say it. Uh, okay. <laughs> right now on the list of fails, okay. you win. <laughs> Dutch at. Okay, I typed that in as the title for the show, you know, temporarily. Oh, that's probably going to stick. Well, the article says a a Dutch man, if you call... We actually do have a lot of, or at least several listeners from the Netherlands. I've been there. Did. Then they may be familiar with Leo Bonten, a Dutch man who lost... Well, he lost his leg after an accident. Oh, dear. Um, He had the uh, amputated limb preserved, turned it into a lamp, and tried to sell it on eBay. So okay. Did this get get put in a Christmas story? <laughs> I think Nick, we're supposed to. Con- David's going to share these stories, and we're supposed to comment on them. Uh, that was my comment. I'm so, stepping okay. away from the mic now. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> That's my comment. Uh, well, Leo's uh, not fun. Not not funnily. Not. <laughs> That's two. I lost my golden voice. Leo slipped in a pool, broke his leg two years ago, according to the uh, Dutch public broadcaster NOS. However, after an infection, the leg had to be amputated. Uh, Leo uh, Leo uh, said that he would like to keep his lamp. <laughs> but it's um, infected. However, he needed the money, so he put it on eBay for uh, 100,000 euros or nearly $127,000. What did it sell? It did not uh, because apparently oh, – a big upset. Hey, bro, just go ahead and go start a GoFundMe. And I, I mean, maybe we – And I wouldn't have known this either, uh, but apparently um, you cannot sell body parts on eBay. <laughs> There's the lamp, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Stop showing me that picture because it has a picture of the guy with his leg. Oh, my gosh. Uh, hey, audience, how about, we probably won't be putting that link in the show notes. No, that that's not going to be our picture, our no, art for the show no, this week. Wow. All right. Well, we need to quickly so leave the a, country a of Dutch. picture of <laughs> big surprise. A map There's, with the Netherlands with a pen in it. Yes. And Where's go. Dutch is probably going to be the album artwork. 
Big surprise, there is a limited market out there in the Netherlands for diseased legs. I did. So if you have one and you're planning on lopping it off and selling it for 100,000 euros, don't. Or, you know, buying it and giving it away as a uh, major award. Okay. Which was the joke Nick did a moment ago. Nice. From A Christmas Story where Correct. the guy wins the leg lamp. Except it's not a real leg in that one. Let's move on to the country of Kazakhstan. I'm pretty sure that's a real country because it says so in the uh, – You're right. Isn't that where from Borat's from? I think that's also right. There's a, uh, a lady there who I'm just going to call a bit Mrs. Toriava because I can't say her first name. Uh, she lives in the uh, town of Turbat in southern Kazakhstan, and uh, she's a 65-year-old woman who uh, has been married for 42 years, and she credits her 42 years of marriage to her eight-inch-long beard. <laughs> what? My husband married me when my beard had already started to grow. He loves it, and we now have a son, a daughter, and six grandchildren. Although beards run on my side of the family, my daughter does not have one. And although both my mother and great-grandmother have them, they're not as fine as mine. Theirs reached only six inches. So I will I'll pull back the veil a little bit for our listeners and let you know that David has not revealed these stories to us prior to... Um, so that's the husband. The very Where's moment. the picture of the wife? No, that's that's and the wife. So we're going to be a bit astonished at this. Hey, let me see the picture too. You don't want to do that. Oh crikey, <laughs> that is not a handsome woman. Now here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. She wow. credit she credits her long marriage to the beard. <gasps> like if oh, she yeah. shaved it off, maybe she'd lose her marriage or something. Because oh she says gosh. that her husband loves it. Oh crikey! Her That's husband, her husband loves her beard. Um, oh my! She added people often want to take pictures with her to show it to their wives or mothers. <laughs> <laughs> would would y'all's wives growing a beard help y'all's marriage? Chase, you first. Let me just say, without swearing or <laughs> using emphatic language, no. It would not help my marriage. That would scare the living mess out of me. My wife grew a beard. Well, we don't we don't have a lot of time to stay there, Nick. I assume you're gonna say pretty much the same. Let's no. move on to let's move on to East London. Um, in East London. I'm hurting. This is early in the show and I'm hurting from a, laughing uh, so hard. James Tomlinson in East London. Now we we talked about um, a few shows ago some international food and so uh, <laughs> Chef James Tomlinson in um, in East London has uh, created a burger that tastes exactly like human flesh. James used firsthand accounts of cannibalism uh, reported by William Seabrook's book Jungle Ways uh, to come up with a meal, a burger that tastes just like human flesh. Uh, the Cannibal Burgers will be served at secret pop-up restaurants on Tuesday to mark the upcoming launch of – anybody want to guess? Um, Satan Day? Uh, not the Breaking Bad. What's the zombie show? You're almost there. Walking Dead premiere. Walking Dead's fifth season in the U.K. Boom. So this guy has come up with uh, burgers that uh, will taste uh, like human flesh. Gosh. So for the game this week, guys, what I was thinking oh, about. By doing, the way, have you all ever heard of William Seabrook? I have not. All right. So apparently William Seabrook um, what, wrote a book. How does he know? 
wrote a book in the 20s called uh, Jungle Ways. And uh, as part of his research into cannibals, he uh, persuaded a medical student to give him a chunk of human flesh to devour so that he could. This is awful. And so this guy has taken that journal and uh, created a uh, burger. So would you guys would you guys try it? Now look, it's not really made out of human flesh. It's made out of veal and pork and bone marrow. No, hang on, time out, guys. I just want to make sure I'm at the Christian podcast I'm a part of. Right? <laughs> is that? Did I stumble into the wrong? Podcast? No, this is the Walking Dead fantasy. Oh uh, my bad. Okay, fantasy, okay, I'm I'm in the game now. All right. By the way, European people, do you know what they like to eat? No. Um, in fact, do you know how King Henry I of England is said to have died? It was from no. eating uh, too much of, of something. Uh, human flesh? Lampreys. Lamp- which look very much like human flesh and are nasty, squishy, awful-looking things. Good I job. can't imagine eating one. Uh, I, I did not know that. Yep, lampreys. I need a pen, Nick. Okay. All right. Um, well, I guess, Nick, would you eat a human-tasting no. uh, burger? No. Nope. Nope. Not even once. What if your wife grew a beard and went with you? <laughs> Let's Last one, guys. Let's just bring it back oh, home. This is more edifying than Let's others. bring it back home. I was about to say, because you started it bad biblical. and just went down the hill. Let's bring it back home to Idaho, where the Greater Idaho Fugitive Task Force has arrested Christopher Hall, age 42, on For Friday stealing afternoon. potatoes. Actually, no. They have arrested him for abandoning a trailer containing 37,000 pounds of frozen chicken at a western Montana truck stop. What? So apparently, here's what, what? happened. Old Christopher was driving for a um, uh, the Dixie River Freight Company, and uh, somewhere on his trip, he uh, called the company and demanded that they give him more money to finish his delivery to... Kent Washington of 37,000 pounds of frozen chicken. They refuse, so Christopher said, good luck finding your truck. <laughs> and he left the trailer where it sat at an undisclosed location. Wow. And do you know, Chase, how they figured out where you it was? You know what? I can guess, and I'm going to guess that they used the rather large protrudy thing on the front of their faces. They did. Apparently, the 37,000 pounds of frozen chicken defrosted and began to leak oh. chicken juice all over oh. the parking lot of the Flying J. Factorily <laughs> speaking. In um, Montana. Rotten chicken is at near oh. the top of the list of things that smell bad. We have a, a listener from Montana that contacted us on Twitter. We do, indeed. So Shout out to him. All right, guys. Went. That was uh, What Were You Thinking? Global Edition. Hope you enjoyed. When I don't say enjoy. anybody could have enjoyed that. Gracious. quantify. I'm speechless now. Okay, David, you don't get to do the opening anymore. I'm okay with this. What? All right. All right, so. Um, you know who I bet enjoyed that? Who's that? The Canadians. Yes, Canadians <laughs> love that kind of thing. Uh-huh. So now y'all are one for one, just for the record. Go ahead. He had lamprey. Yes. Well, we're just gonna, saying. We're gonna split it. Go ahead. What we got, Nick? A game. We do. Games. And I'm calling foul on David's game, but that's that's a story for another time. So, in honor of segment number two, um, we have a musical oh, no. game today. Oh no. We do. <laughs> and so a this is going game. to be fun. This is going to be a lyric quiz. No, no. <laughs> And so, if you have listened to U2's new album, The Songs of Innocence... No, no. <laughs> oh, shoot. I have not. Their first song is The Miracle, and in parentheses, it says, of Joey Ramone. And it's a tribute song to Joey Ramone and... Of the Ramones. 
There you go. I've heard of them. There you go. My brother you likes them. have a chance. I don't want to be buried. Oh, I don't know anything about them. Then you're, the you may as well just lean back and let Chase take the game. Is it multiple choice? No. Well, technically, you have I two choices, you Ramones two or songs. the Ramones. So what we did it's, is we, we're doing a lyrics quiz be between you two and the Ramones. You guys ready? Yep. All right, David, since you seem – yeah, we're going to start with David. So um, this is actually probably one of the easier ones. I can't believe the news today. Wait, what are we doing? What is, You're is that saying you whether or the Ramones? the Ramones or oh, – Ramones or you, or you two. two. Okay, and what is it? I can't re- believe – I can't believe the news today. Uh, that's uh, the Ramones. And for extra credit, what's the song? Uh, I just I don't I don't like extra credit. Great, Chase. Would you like to steal New Year's Day by U two? Oh no! Actually. Oh no! Is it a Sunday Bloody Sunday Sunday Bloody Sunday? But it is U two. I can't right. believe I missed that. No points must to be David. Um, you have a chance to get me, David. If I missed that one, that was an easy one. Mm, mm. All right, so Chase, you ready? Just get me to the airport. Put me on a plane. Oh dear. I, I I'm going to say the Ramones. That is the Ramones and their hit I want to be sedated. I want to be sedated. That's how I felt in show prep. <laughs> I think you would rather us have been sedated during show prep. We got jazzed up, man. David, oh, we're ready. With a brat like that always on your back. Um with a brat like that always on your back. The Ramones. You are correct. It is one to one. One to one. All right. Chase? By the way, i got a trivia question for you. What Uh uh, famous resident of Springfield did the Ramones play Happy Birthday for? Uh, Was it Homer? No. No. Bart? I don't remember. No. Montgomery Burns. Uh, Really? uh, Yep. Okay. I wasn't a huge – when it was first on, I wasn't allowed to watch it, so I just never picked up. That was a shout-out for Dan. He's a big Simpsons guy. Oh, very cool. He's still on. It, it, dude, that is one of the, the longest running shows. Um, Chase, all good Cretans go to heaven. I believe that is also the Ramones. You are correct. It's two to one. All right. For all right. Let's see. Got to find a David. The heart is an, is a the heart is a bloom. You too. How do you know? What song? I don't know the song. You're just yeah. guessing. Yep. And I went Ramones too many times. Yep. So, yeah. There you go. All right. All right. Well, I was right. actually hoping. You, yeah, you are. Dave, Chase, you can get a half point if you know. I'm like a blind man what just song? swinging right now. No idea. What, what, what was it? The heart is the heart is a bloom. Why does he get extra I don't know. Credit? Yahweh? No, it's a beautiful day. Okay. Hey, I know that one. It's a beautiful day. <clears throat> there you go. Extra credit if you can tell which political candidate used that as his theme music for his convention. I thought it was Obama in his first run. I think John Kerry did. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, wasn't a beautiful day for Kerry. Um, all right. Uh, so we got two to two. Chase, um, this one's to you. Don't want to be taught to be no fool. Don't want to be taught to be no fool. I'm going to guess you two on that. No, it is the Ramones, Rock and Roll High School. Wow. Yeah. Should have known that one. All right. David, you ready? Yep. The streets sound like a symphony. Mm. You too. You're correct. That is right. That is three to two. David wow. takes the win. Is that from the song, um, Wow, Where the Streets Have No Name? I uh, know that's Angel of Harlem because oh, I actually know that that song. Angel yeah. of Harlem, a fine song. Look, I, anyway, I'm a huge YouTube guy. So, Matt well, unfortunately, David, you don't win anything today because we're wah, not doing wah, three wah, topics. Wah. Can I just say I am impressed? Wait, that, did I win? Yeah, you won. It's over. Three to two. Three to two. Ah, well done. I'm sorry, I had to stop paying attention. I was googling something. 
Wow, with friends like these. Yeah, hey. I, don't, I don't win anything because we've already got the. Uh, that's right. We've Get in on the game. Set. So I guess, guys, that's going to take us to the main event. Dun, a couple dun, of weeks dun. ago, at Tony Staley sent us a Twitter question that we plugged a little bit last year. Would be interested in hearing you guys elaborate on the B Dubs discussion in a few future podcast. Uh, that would stand for Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> and beer. Well, that whole thing started because uh, I was yeah. looking to go eat after the show. Yes. Oh, that's right. I remember that. And I want to go Waffle House. Emmanuel said, what about uh, BWWF for beer? Yep. And, uh, you and said, I said, I got to go home and um, get in my pajamas. And, and be a father and a loving husband as the Bible directs me to. And you would never make fun of that, would you, as a man of the cloth and a man of the word? You could turn anything into a holier-than-thou. Hey, Mom, Dad, please I'm don't I'm a skilled debatist. I bet right now if I brought you in here a turkey salad sandwich and put it in front of you, you could make that religious somehow. I could, as long as it didn't have any ostrich with it, because that is a weird meat. Dude, we're done. Okay, that's early on. John Talley, $5. <laughs> That was a bet. We had certain words to say, right? Yep. Oh, my goodness. Certain words it, it, to say look, he, his whole thing was, you can't say, yeah, for no reason. Yeah. And, and we didn't until we were done. Yep. You all actually made it work. He wow. gave us four words and said, if you'll work these in on the podcast, we got $5 for you. You got one and I got three, so I think he uh, I just split two. it up somehow. Two to two. I thought you got two. Oh, that's right. Two to two. Two fifty each, John. You got Canadians. Now, back to the topic at hand. David, I understand you got a friend from uh, an email from our Irish friend, James McSorley. Yeah, what, the, uh, interesting. the cousin, right? Well, we've gotten a yes. lot of feedback on the um, on this discussion. So, yeah, Tony asked if we would uh, – he said I'd be interested in hearing this, hearing about this. And, and in truth, we've been talking about from the beginning, hey, during one of the shows, we need to talk about Christians and alcohol as Chase popped the top on uh, Not a, a, diet, Mountain a Dew. diet Mountain Dew. James Look, everybody knows if you're going to drink beer, it's going to be out of a bottle. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, James emailed me this week, and uh, he was talking about, he said, I'm really looking forward to this week's podcast. And, and he said, for me, I don't see drinking as being inherently sinful. Um, but in Ireland, it is a pretty big issue in the Christian community, which I would say it, it is a pretty big issue is in the really? Christian community in the uh, – and definitely south. in the south, yeah. like where I have grown up, in the churches I've grown up. I've always in, pictured Europe as being more open to it, I guess, in part of their life. But but James makes a good point. He talks about it's probably due to the number of lives that have been ruined through the abuse mm, of alcohol. Yes. And I think that's yep. something we need to talk about in a few minutes. So, um, you know, essentially, I think it was Nick, you said it last week, the issue is can a Christian – you can ask the question: Can a drink in, uh, a Christian drink? <laughs> the golden voice fails me. Yep. And or should a Christian drink? Yep. So um, maybe from a biblical perspective, we could just tackle one of those first. So uh, can biblically a Christian? Well, can drink? I can I take two steps back from it for just a second? Sure. Does anybody, do either of y'all? Um, I, I want to say I remember one or the other, but family histories of alcohol abuse at all? I have a. I had family members, yes, who abused. There is a an abuse of, um, I would say, um, like drugs, prescription drugs with alcohol, mm, in, okay. in, in in my family uh, heritage. Yes, okay. I would say uh, not in a major way, maybe in yeah. a minor way. My my father was an alcoholic. Um, he okay. suffered he suffered with alcoholism twice. Um, 
and by God's grace re- recovered um, through AA, um, and I believe through a repentance, a, a biblical uh, repentance, and seeking um, restitution with the Lord. But um, it's something that I'm very passionate about, very serious about, and so some of the discussion, while it may be lighthearted, it is not something that is mm. flippant to me. Um, and it's something I struggled many, many years with, if Christians even should, let alone, you know, can we even, much less the should, I yeah, guess. Yeah. So I'll kick it to Chase first for the pastoral. Okay, well, I will say this. Um, as as we've said before, the um, the Hall of Dogma Church, which is the, kind of the euphemism we use to <laughs> refer to our fellowship as a Southern Baptist church, and, and traditionally, Southern Baptists very uh, – and by the way, we're not so much a traditional Southern Baptist church, although we believe in baptism and uh, we believe in being biblical. Hmm. Um, and I am ultimately going to come down on the side of, yes, a Christian can drink with an asterisk. Mm-hmm. And the very reason for that is because I believe in being biblical. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to go ahead and tip my hand, show my cards early on. But I will say that this is an important conversation. We might laugh. We might cut a joke here or there. But ultimately, we want to be serious and sober-minded, wink, wink, about an issue that is really very important and that people have uh, really, really deep opinions about Mm -hmm. and deep beliefs about and a lot of stories and and a lot of things. So uh, at some point, we'll probably get to some exegesis of of biblical passages. We may even get into the Greek. Um, I will tell you guys this, and and then I'll kick it over to you, David. Um, When I was in college, my uh, girlfriend at the time, now wife, bought me a study Bible that uh, I learned to treasure. I very much liked it. It was my first study Bible. Um, It was... uh, uh, edited by a man named Donald Stamps, and I believe it was uh, more of a charismatic study Bible, although we were at a uh, Baptist church at the time, so I'm not sure how that all happened. (laughs) But Mr. Stamps, who was the main editor of the study Bible, was vehemently against drinking. And there were articles, every time the Bible mentioned drinking, he took an opportunity in the uh, study notes to come out hard against drinking. And essentially, he made the case that, for instance, the, the, wedding, uh, uh, the wedding at Cana, the water-to-wine miracle, that Jesus turned water into grape juice, unfermented wine. Hmm. And that was kind of the centerpiece of his argument, was that uh, any drinking done in the New Testament or the Old Testament was unfermented drinking. Now, I find that to be a exegetically an implausible argument. But I will say I've wrestled for many years with the issue of drinking and uh, kind of the first time I seriously dealt with it was uh, coming from that perspective of my study Bible. Hmm. That's interesting. I I would say that um, it, when – I'm going to start where you did. If I get asked the question, essentially, can a Christian drink alcohol? I Is it a sin, essentially? Is it wrong? Um, and – you know, I think there's going to be a lot of caveats to this. I think it can be a sin to drink alcohol in certain situations. Agreed. Even um, not to drunkenness. Even not to drunkenness. Even just to drink one whatever, glass of wine or something, I think can be a sin. But just the act. Is the act of drinking alcohol, um, is that act forbidden or is that sinful? And I have to answer no because I think the Bible – 
answers the question, though. I don't think the Bible presents it as drinking alcohol is a sin. Now, we're going to get to all the other issues, hopefully, in a moment. And it's, you know, is it, is it permissible? Should we do it? Those kinds of things. But asking the question, I've not ran into a lot of people who, you know, would say, oh, it is a sin. You, you shouldn't do it. Um, it's a sin in every situation. But I know there are people out there, like you're saying, there are people who would say, you know, wine, um, you know, Jesus, yeah, turned into grape juice. It, it wasn't actual wine. But, you know, the Bible does not forbid drinking. As a matter of fact, there are a few places where the Bible is, seems to um, give permission or put it out in a in a good light. Ecclesiastes 9-7 says, Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Or Psalm 104 that says... Um, Psalm 104, 14 and 15 says that uh, talks about God uh, brings forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man. I believe it was was it Paul who instructed Timothy to uh, take a little wine for his stomach yes. ailment. Of course, that's mm-hmm. uh, perhaps medicinal and purposes there, but there are many verses where it seems like not only does the Bible not forbid drinking, but maybe even uh, talks about it in. A positive way. So I, I have a very difficult time with someone who comes down saying that it is a sin across the board, carte de blanc, to drink. Now, I do think drunkenness is a sin. Uh, you know, drinking to excess is a sin. Absolutely. And I, th- I think probably we would. We ought to hammer that point home that drinking to the point of altering your thinking, impairment, or whatever, and you know, obviously, the question has to be asked: What is drunkenness? And I think a good definition of that is altering your thinking, being impaired, really, even in a little way, is condemned by the Bible. I, I'll, I'll actually, we'll talk about that in context later. But I actually heard a unique um, perspective on that, and, and again, it was very much a slanted perspective of, of people who are pro-alcohol or believers. Um, but I, I heard a different perspective on that, much less being a an incidental um, altered state versus a um, you talk about people who are gluttons and they are they always overeat they don't go uh, they don't have a cheat day they always have cheat days they only ever have cheat days and and when you don't be drunk but instead they it's a constant state of you know outside of a reliance on something other God I, you know I actually come from a background. Where maybe not everyone that was in leadership would say any drinking is a sin, but it was, you know, it was up there with the, you know, don't have sex, don't smoke, don't, you know, drink, don't cuss, and you're probably a a Christian. And it was, it was very much a taboo, don't do, don't think about it. And, and I don't know that anybody would have come across quite as staunch as your study Bible guy, Chase, but kind of where I grew up in, in church, it was very much a, Maybe not to keep you out of heaven, but if heaven had a penalty box, keep you there for a couple of millennia kind of thing. Um, and so it, it was really – it was a tough thing for me to, to even approach the subject because I was just too afraid to even think about it. Um, and so I am so, – So you're saying there then some people are saying like the drunkenness is not it, – it's a, maybe along the lines of being a liar – Telling one lie may not make you a liar. Getting drunk one it's time a li- may it's not a make you a lifestyle type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and like so, we can dive into that a, a little bit later. But I just um, well, 
I, and, and I could, you know, I, I, I hear that. I, I think for, you know, Ephesians 5.18 says, do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. There are the verses that talk sure. about, uh, about, um, drunkenness in a, in a, in a bad way. Proverbs chapter 23, um, and, and then even, I definitely think you go down that line of drunkenness constantly, alcoholism. Mm-hmm. First Corinthians talks about um, do not be dominated uh, by anything or be mastered by anything. Mm-hmm. Second Peter talks about that. Whatever o- overcomes a person to that, he is enslaved. Mm-hmm. And so I – now look, I think you apply that to many things, uh, you know, drinking, uh, food addictions, uh, you know, medicinal or pills, those kinds of things. You know, addict, addictions. The Bible uh, speaks out against. But today we're we're specifically talking about the the drinking, and so again, I'm going across the board. Not a sin, drunkenness, and and for me, I would avoid that. And I would want to avoid that in any – not just, well, I can get drunk once a year kind of deal. I would want to just well, I think, not drink to excess. In fairness, um, I don't think they're talking even about getting truly what you and I would consider drunk. But whenever Chase talks about even a, 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 what people would call a buzz, you know, I know some Christians that are quick to stay away from, quote, unquote, a buzz. And, and their case is more – you know, especially if you're not breaking a law, so they're not saying, "Hey, get a buzz and go drive to the to the restaurant." That's not what they're talking about. They're saying yeah. Saturday night at home. That and again, you're you're making a lot of. Well, you know, you're not going to give a breathalyzer to yourself exactly, every time. Exactly. But I mean, I, I think if you I, I, let me ask you guys, I, I guess maybe we're all comfortable saying that occasionally we drink. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I'm comfortable saying that. In fact, I've said it from the pulpit before, which didn't really shock anybody. But I remember uh, one of the older people in the church coming up to me afterwards and saying uh, I, uh, that he was surprised to hear a pastor say that. And I'll say this real quick, lest anybody think uh, that part of this discussion is justifying what we want to do. Um, our heart is to get it biblically right, number Absolutely. one. Number two – I when, I when it said I drink, I drink literally about eight to ten beers a year um, because I don't particularly care for it. I mean, every now and then if I go on vacation uh, in the privacy of my own home where nobody's to see and stumble, and we'll get into Romans 14 in a little bit, I might drink a beer. Uh, but it literally adds up to about eight or ten a year because, honestly, I'd rather drink uh, – Mountain Dew or, or Kool-Aid or That's something funny. like that. I well, just don't have the taste for it. That, that was where I was going to go with this. I was going to ask you guys, um, if you didn't mind sharing, um, like, why do you drink? And I'm going somewhere with the question, but like, what what is the, you know, what under what situations may you find yourself and just say, well, I would drink because of this? I guess my answer to that question, I guess, again, would go back to the beach Uh I might get a six-pack of beer at the beach uh, where nobody is around. I don't really go to a bar or something like that. I bring it home, maybe drink three while I'm down there, bring three home, and they languish in my refrigerator for a long time. All right, so that's more recreational – not recreational drinking, but more of a special occasion kind of – Yeah. Yeah, we're on vacation and I enjoy it here. Mine's probably a little bit more um, casual than Chase's. I – I want to have a beer. I, there are some beers I like the taste of. I like the um, 
consistency taste uh, of, you know, not in the same regards of I get to work and I need a cup of coffee and, and I'll, I'll like to drink Coke with lunch. I mean, it's not the same kind of, you know, glass of sweet tea, Mountain Dew kind of like, but I do enjoy the taste of some beers. Um, you know, I do. Um, uh, occasions that would see me do it was I'd go, huh, I'd like to have a beer. Um, there are the side benefits of usually one beer kind of sitting on the front porch talking to my wife after our kids go to bed. Alcohol helps relax you. And, you know, there are some days where that kind of just help your body chill is cool. You know, um, and a lot of people go, well, aren't you afraid of kind of alter, you know, that, that being a substitute for what the Holy Spirit should do? And I respect people who say that, but, um, I, you know, I do drink because I enjoy it. And I do drink it to relax. And the other occasions are usually um, event-based. And so, um, you know, I can think me and my wife went out on a date to see a, a band a couple months ago. And at the restaurant before we left, I had a beer. And, you know, um, when my wife's family comes over, we have a big football party. Um, some of them are, are not opposed to, to alcohol. And so somebody will bring beer over and I will usually drink there. But I'm more along the kind of quantity that Chase is talking about. Um, I think last year I bought a 12-pack of beer at the start of the football season. And it was all – half of it was still there at the, the end. Yeah. And so, you know, it's funny because I'll go – I think you actually brought me one one time and I did. said this <laughs> yeah. thing's been in my refrigerator for about I, four I months. I did. I did. I typically don't uh, buy many. I just look for people who I can just pill for one pill off for, of every now because I'm cheap. But uh, I, about what you guys do, I mean, look, I, I, we, um, uh, I actually had a glass of wine on vacation this year, and I think maybe it was one of the first – I probably had six glasses of wine in the last ten years. That's just not something I don't drink. What kind of wine? Yeah, actually, the the person that we got the place from on vacation left it for us in the refrigerator. As oh, well. very nice. You know, so that was the only reason that Look we even tried it. But uh, I, I don't drink um, like that. What I call it, hard alcohol. But you know, like whiskey, tequila, yeah, that stuff. stuff. I just don't. I don't like it. It's just it doesn't taste good to me. <sighs> I do enjoy the taste of certain beers, and I like them with certain foods. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. happen to, for me, a beer enhances the taste of certain meats like a steak. <sighs> and so uh, I drink – I'm probably along the lines dinner, yeah, bro, of Chase. Really? Uh, probably along the lines of Chase. I mean 10 times or less a year. Um, and it is usually around a meal. And kind of where I was going with that, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says whatever you eat, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all the glory of God. This is what <laughs> I would say, and um, and this may be somewhat, uh, you know, I may mean, be disagree, but I think you, I think if you're going to drink, it should you should be able to do it there for the glory of God. I, I hear what you're saying, Nick, mm-hmm. and, and listening to you. I'm gonna sit on the porch with my wife and have a beer. I, very occasionally is what it sounds like, and I find that relaxing. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I would say to someone who looks forward to coming home from work every day so they can sit down and drink a couple of beers and and be soothed, and they have turned having one or two beers, which they don't get drunk off of, into their mechanism by which they relax, that does make me nervous personally. That makes me go, ah, you may be – you know, and I don't sound ultra religious. I'm just yeah. saying that that to me, I may go. I'm not sure if you're doing that to the glory of God. Uh, I'm not sure if you can say you're doing that to the glory of God. Now, Emmanuel may say I'm taking all the fun out of everything as a Christian because he's <laughs> talked about that when he's here. But 
that's where I would get nervous with it. So here's here's my self-convicting question. So yeah. understand, um, I, I said the thing about the cup of coffee a little bit ago, um, but I'll drink um, a 12-ounce Coke Zero. Yeah. Please don't tweet me about aspartame. I know I'm trying to find something different, but I'll, I'll drink a 12-ounce Coke on the way to work, and then usually before 10 a.m., I've also had a cup of coffee, and um, it is – to help me wake up and be alert. Caffeine helps me um, sharpen my mind and then and then focus on the task at hand at work. And there, to me, that is that drinking to the glory of God. Well, yes, it is because you're you're able to work better. You're able to focus. You're able to be alert. Well, now, is do I need the coffee because I've created dependence on it? Do I need the coffee because I wasn't disciplined and got enough rest? So why is that different than and, and I'm playing a little bit devil's advocate because, again, this isn't me and the nightly two-beer thing. I think it is a dangerous road to become dependent on alcohol in a different way than it is caffeine. But if if the dude, you know, when he's ready to sit down and, and relax with his wife, has a beer, and that's part of his routine, no different than the coffee. It's a great question. It's a great, See, it's, I, str- it's, it's I struggle with that because I, I, I love Christians who have to swing by, not need to, not I've I've got to have my Starbucks before church on Sunday before I can talk to you all. Hold on, brother. <laughs> you know, that's... And, and I have friends who have said they quit drinking coffee because they felt enslaved to it. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's a yeah. great question. I definitely think that's more mainstream than uh, – than, I think that's more common than alcohol sure. is people who are dependent upon coffee in the mornings to wake up. Um, which I would count myself in there. So okay. I mean, that's, that's a great. It's a great question. It's a great question. It affects question. me, like like you, you say, you drink a beer to relax. Uh, again, I've, I've never noticed that about beer, but I've read enough to know that uh, alcohol does relax you and and kind of allows for creativity to come out in some some ways. Um, but but what it frames it, it, yeah, it frames the question in a in a really good way because we could kick around all day. What's our opinion? You know, is coffee okay or um, is is four or five cups okay? But I think it frames the question really well to to point out the fact that coffee affects you and beer affects you. So how do we handle it? And I'll tell you guys a little story. Just this week, um, I work at a seminary. I'm not going to say which seminary, but uh, I do work at a seminary. And some young uh, some young guys, uh, seminarians, were talking who uh, are uh, pastors. And uh, one, actually, one of the guys was not so young, and he, he piped up and said, uh, they were talking about drinking, he piped up and said, here's the thing, in our church, we will not let anybody on leadership that drinks. And I thought, well, that's that's very interesting. And my, I didn't engage them, I just kind of was uh, uh, eavesdropping as I went by. But if I had engaged, I might have said this, and I think it's a worthy question to ask. On what authority hmm. do you exclude people who drink? Hmm. And the answer can't be the Bible because that's not biblical to exclude people from leadership who drink. Can't given, you, go ahead, sorry. well, just just given that out the uh, the biblical qualifications for elders are very clear, and it doesn't exclude there. It does. Well, see, I've heard people interpret that it does because it's there is in Titus and in Timothy. Um, there's a mention of alcohol for both elders and deacons. Now, I, you know, personally, I read that where he says, given too much wine. Um, yeah. You know, uh, was it Tony Vance who posted the MacArthur yes. sermon? Yeah, yeah, Tony. Uh, That's one of the things MacArthur brings up in his, his sermon is um, that, and, and, he, and he's talking about it, he points out that 
um, Paul says for elders and deacons to not be guilt given to much wine. And what I typically hear proponents of drinking mention is the much word in there, and they hang it on much in terms of not being addicted more than not being allowed to have any at all. Well, I, you know, here's the thing. I believe the Word of God is um, inspired and inerrant. Sure. And when it says not given to much wine, it is – okay, the, the Holy Spirit superintending the writing of the Word could very well have written an elder cannot have wine mm-hmm. or cannot drink alcoholic beverages. But that's not what was put in there. What was put in there was much wine. Right. An elder cannot be a person of much wine, which I say yes and amen to. So, uh, you know, the question you raised earlier, David, about a man who comes home and knocks back a couple of beers every day when he gets home, is that kind of getting in the neighborhood of, of much wine? It might be getting in the neighborhood. Yeah, it's – it's. It, I don't know – I don't know that I have an issue with a church that does that if they say they're doing it based on – a wisdom decision. In other words, we don't think this is a sin, but we don't think it's the wisest thing for our leaders to drink. Now, there's also the do, do I brother agree, stumble. Do I agree with that? Do I? You know, I almost. You know, I was looking into becoming a, a church planner one time for with an organization that that's something they say. If if you you agree up front, if you join our organization, church planning wise, you would not drink while you were. A member of our organization. Yes. And to me, if they tell you that up front, you know, I might disagree with, ah, that's probably not the, I don't know that's the conclusion that I would reach. I wouldn't, looking at Scripture. But if you're saying, we, we think this is just a wisdom decision for whatever reason, even if it's like McSorley said over in Ireland, because there's such an issue in the Christian community with it because of all the damage that alcoholism has done, then I don't know that I would push back against that. A lot. Um, well, I would not put that in an organization I was writing bylaws see that's, for. I'm, I'm with you. I, I wouldn't make it a qualification if I was in charge of something. But I think if your covering says no. Well, hey, I signed a, such a statement as a church oh, really? mentor in a denomination that did that. And I abided by it. And, and, and this was years ago. Didn't have a big issue with it. So I'll throw this out to you guys. The question is for us, what is the right approach to the issue of alcohol. I don't mean drunkenness. The right approach to the issue of drunkenness is don't be drunk, period. And if drinking is going to lead you to being drunk, don't drink. Just like if eating one Krispy Kreme donut is going to lead you to gluttony, don't eat one. But I would be very uncomfortable proclaiming a rule that says don't eat one Krispy (laughs) Kreme donut because Uh, it might lead you to gluttony. And so my take is this, and you guys can talk me down from this. In asking the question, what is the right approach to the issue of alcohol? I don't think the right approach is the safest approach. I don't think the right approach is, on the other hand, to glorify drinking with flippancy, which, I mean, look, there's there's some Christians we know uh, and and maybe listen to and maybe read about that spend a lot of time talking about drinking. Quite frankly, I'm not 
comfortable about that. I don't mean talking about drinking about whether it's right or wrong, but uh, you know, doing out uh, ratings of, of various things. I'm I'm not I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying I'm not sure about that. But I don't think the right approach is to the right or the left. I think the right approach is a biblical approach. In other words, I think the right approach is the way the Holy Spirit superintended the scriptures to read, which is some of this is okay. For instance, Luke seven thirty one through forty four through thirty four, John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. I think Jesus drank wine. I don't whoa, think whoa, there's whoa. what? I think Jesus drank wine. I don't think there's any other way to read Matthew seven thirty one through thirty four, eleven sixteen through nineteen. Click, click. Oh, sorry, I was making the noise of some of the podcast listeners. Wow, from the uh, Bible Belt. Just hear my heart. I want to be biblical. I don't want to go to the right or the left. I want to be biblical, and I think the biblical take on this is: it's okay to drink unless it's a stumbling block. It's okay to drink. Asterisk, 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 yeah. And it is asterisk, <laughs> and that's okay. That, there's all kinds of asterisks well, in Scripture that see that, I, I actually, guidelines. That's, that is a great point that I wholeheartedly agree with. There are these things that we make black or white issues that the Scripture doesn't. We make, quote-unquote, yes. heaven or hell issues that the Scripture doesn't. And that's, and that's what I – that's where I'm, I get almost frustrated with folks. I, you know, um, I will admit that the, the article Tony um, – uh, posted, you know, it 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 just kind of got under my skin. A pastor that I, I'd served under for a while posted a, a um, link to someone he respects that was a kind of a dissertation studying out alcohol in, in the Bible, and that stuff just it gets me because it seems it it seems like it over, it majors on a minor, um, and not to say that alcoholism is a minor, not to say well, that not, a bit. not to say that drinking while you driving while impaired is is a minor that's that's not what i'm saying but the the responsible use of something that occurs naturally in nature that got you know that's where that's where i struggle david you're kind of raise your hand i, I well, have a no, couple of questions i wanted to ask yeah i just to, to what you're saying i think you make an excellent point and i will say i have wondered even going back to what i mentioned earlier about the organization actually i think it was the same one you as a church planner with that i looked into and i wondered a few times about you know, look, I would have, I think, signed up for them for the opportunity. I don't think that one thing would have kept me out of it. Hmm. I did kind of look at them and think, oh, you're really biblical in a lot of areas. I wonder why we're doing this. Um, you know, it's uh, – I have some friends who were turned down for being to, – to being missionaries for a very prominent denominational um, – uh, mission organization because they checked on their application that they had drank in the last mm. year or two years or five years or whatever it was because they got asked about it. First um, Timothy chapter four verse three says um, that uh, by me excuse me go back to verse two by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own consciences with a branding iron men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe. And know the truth. So here's a, a scripture that says you've got men who are forbidding things that God has created and given us to be thankful for and use. Now, there it is marriage and abstinence from certain foods. And, and Paul says, 
you know, the problem is these things were created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe, and, and these men are forbidding people from having them, maybe out of wisdom or extracurricular rules or whatever, what they call wisdom. And that is something that the Bible says is wrong. We, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't forbid what God has created and given for us to thankfully partake. Does that mean alcohol? Possibly. Maybe, again, back to your point and what you're saying is um, not saying everyone has to do it, not saying you have to partake in it, but is it right to forbid people to do it if God created it and gave it to us? Um, I, I like that point because it helps my argument. So. <laughs> well, I do think we need um, – there are situations where I I don't think – you should drink. So, like, if you were to ask me again, during church, for instance, um, so many unless jokes it's right communion. There. Well, unless it's communion, I love and I've been but... in a church that has uh, has done. Okay, for example, I think the Bible would say that if um, you were with someone, uh, I think the Bible would say you have freedom to drink. But if you were with someone who does not believe that, who, who for them it would be a stumbling block for you to drink, then you should abstain from it for the sake of their conscience. And so I would say then, um, like for me, I tend typically only drink privately. Uh, for example, like at a restaurant away from, you know, home, community or things yes. like that, or only if I am with a circle of people who I absolutely know they, that is not a conscious problem yes. for them. Um, if I was with someone else, the if you were to say, hey, I can drink if I want to, the Bible doesn't forbid it. If the person you're with is offended by it, I think the Bible does forbid that. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, let, me, let me read this first and then, then kick it to you, Nick. Romans 14, 20. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean. But it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he drinks. I mean, what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. All right, so here's where I'm going to put on my contrarian hat. And, and, and I, I half mean what I'm saying. And it's I'm a very ha- large hat. I'm, very. <laughs> I'm going to say it a little bit joking. Um, let me Let me make clear this statement before I, I make my joke, but I have a relative that I love dearly who's a recovering alcoholic and you will not see me drink around that person. It's just not going to happen. Even if the rest of their family is, I'm not because I respect someone who, who is going through that, especially in light of what my father went through. Yes. Okay. Um, I am very careful when and how I drink because of what my father went to. I'm a little bit um, nature, a little bit nurture in terms of upbringing. I do believe in generational Curses. I know I'm going to sound a little hippy dippy there, but I do, and so I'm very conscientious of those things. And so when you when you you guys quote those verses, I think of my relative. I think of my father. I don't think of a Christian who's being a goober. And so and and and, and I'm and I mean you know David's going oh no the Twitter feedback we're going to get right now, but I know so many people we're going to hear from at Christian who, Goober who major <laughs> who major on the minors and play hall monitor that it's not a stumble issue for them it's I'm more holy than you for them and I call bunk on that because I don't believe that's what the word is talking about there I think, you're right. I think it's talking more about my relative and my father than it is Mr. Hall Monitor who needs to feel less guilty about looking at porn because. 
people can't see him, but he, you saw him. He saw you at Buffalo Wild Wings having a beer. One, while you're watching a football game for four hours, all of the alcohol content, which is going to be metabolized by the time you leave. But he's going to go home in the dark and you know play whatever games he needs to. I, and I and I just say foul on that. Yeah. Okay. My pushback on the contrarian for a moment is that's fine. I knew it was coming. That I think First Corinthians chapter eight talks about. It actually seems to talk about the person that you. All right, but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For okay. if anyone sees you who have knowledge of eating in an idol's temple, will he not? This is talking about should you eat uh, food that's been sacrificed to an idol. But he says, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak? So it seems to say. There are people. My target is different than the person you're talking that, about. I'll okay, admit that. all right. I was going to say there appears to be maybe some people with stronger faith that those with weaker faith haven't learned freedom in Christ, what that means, and so it's telling the stronger person to not cause the weaker person. I, my, to, my 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 sights are not set on the, I'm the with person you. you're I'm talking with you. more of. A, oh. I, I got you. Can I ask a little bit of a question? Um, and this came up for me in, in the MacArthur um, study. Um, he mentioned the medicinal use of of wine. Um, he he went into a lot of science about biblical wine, and and Chase, admittedly of the three of us, is the most learned in terms of terminology um, used in um, the, the Bible. But and, and I trust your opinion, Chase. But is your readings of the terms used for wine and strong drink are they as far from the modern context that that would be beer and alcohol wine today as? The ultra conservative, quote unquote, teetotaler would. Well, I, for, by the way, before sorry. Chase answers that, at Christian Goober is an available um, Twitter handle if anyone wants to grab it. Not oh, for wow. five Go ahead. Hurry up, Nick. <laughs> um, that's a, that's a great question, Nick. This we is, really this should is, get that as a <laughs> okay, as a parody account. Yes. Um, this is what I would say. Mm-hmm. The question I, I think essentially, I'll, I'll, I think you're asking the question is. Uh, is there a substantial difference between the wine of first century, uh, the Middle Eastern countries in the first century in Israel, et cetera, and the wine of today in alcohol by volume content? And the answer to that question is honestly and completely, we can't know for sure. Yeah. And there's not a good way to know for sure. We don't sure. have any first century wine. And, and if we did, Bottled how would we know that, that there's not so, so much substantial change there? Yeah. Um, at the same time, the fact of the matter is, very clearly, first century wine made you drunk. Because you actually had the ability to get drunk. Exactly. Otherwise, they would not have had to forbid Precisely, yeah. yes. And, and look, I, if somebody comes to me and says, uh, uh, I, I don't think Christians should drink whiskey um, I might say, well, you know, I, I can I, I, I can track with you on that. I, I'm still wondering if you're going outside the word. Um, but the argument that wine is substantially different in the first century than it is today, you, you that's a very difficult argument to make. It really, really is. And the fact of the matter is, I don't think you have to. I don't think we have to add to the word here. Yeah. In fact, I think it might even be a slight if, – if you'll allow it, I have great amounts of respect for my brothers who are uh, teetotalers and recommend it. But I think it might be dangerous a little hmm. bit to add to the word here and to say essentially – you know, is it possible? And I, I, gosh, I want to say this with gentleness and humility. Is it possible that you might be saying, oh, you know what? We know better. 
Hmm. You know, the, the Paul said, don't drink much wine. We say, don't drink any wine because we know how dangerous it is. Hmm. Well, the super, the Holy Spirit superintending the right of the word through Paul knew how dangerous it was even more so. That's good. And so I just I, – I, I'm loath to add to the word here. To, 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 go, beyond, of, to go beyond what it says. Exactly. We have plenty of information to make a, a right decision, especially when you consider the leading of the so Spirit. The interesting thing there – and I'll say this. I have all respect in the world for a Christian brother or sister who says – I'm a quote unquote teetotaler. I, I don't. I just don't drink. You know. I, I don't. Oh, sure. I, I choose not to. I don't like this. I've, I've got friends who just. I got friends who are Christians that say I just don't like the stuff. Like yeah. like you said earlier, I'd rather really have a soda. Um, I've got uh, you know just other Christians who just that's their choice. I have no problem in the world with that. Greatly respect it. And I look. I approach it with some bit of you know trepidation. I, I approach it with some, not trepidation, I, tra- I approach it with some bit of just caution. You know, I don't want to go overboard here. I don't want to go overboard in front of my children. Mm. I don't mind my children seeing me drink a beer. I don't, my kids have seen that. And when they ask the question, because my, even my, my oldest daughter at 12 years old has gotten the idea that drinking's, com- you know, it's it's wrong. Daddy, you're drinking, oh, wow. you know. And, and so we have the conversation. Well, here's, here's what the Bible says about it. And mm-hmm. I even, look, in the United States, the drinking age is 21. Yep. I don't think you should drink before you're 21 because Absolutely I believe not. the Bible says to obey, obey the, the government, yes. obey the law. So I don't think you should drink before you're 21 because that's the law in your country. Um, and and we could you know go beyond that. I you know you need to obey the the laws in your in your parents' home and different things like that. But I want them to see the. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what Dad chooses. Here's what you know is you know here here's here's how I handle it. And I want to be very cautious to not go overboard there. I will say two quick things. One is that um, I think in certain denominations, I think you have to be careful because this has made such a big deal, but nobody seems to make as big of a deal about the uh, prohibition against gluttony. Yeah. True. And so, you know, you have, you know, hey, I won't drink, but you're going to hit the buffet four or five times a week like it's like it's done something to you. And quite honestly, if we're going to if we're going to hold strict here, if the Bible's telling us to be healthy and avoid excess in drinking and eating, we've got to take it literally there drinking and eating. And so you got to consider both of those things. Um the other interesting thing to me is John Piper, who, if you listen to the show, you know I have a great deal of respect for John Piper. Uh, John is a um, – he, he, he goes and says, I don't believe that the Bible forbids it in all situations. I am a teetotaler because that's what I choose, except I heard him say one time, unless he was in a position to where it would be offensive for him to not. For huh. example, if he was in – I think he may, may have used the example Germany, and he was – at a at a someone's house, and the host offered him or put before him a glass of wine, and it would be offensive to the host to not drink it. Then he would go ahead and drink it to avoid offense. Interesting. And I thought that was extremely interesting. So uh, we probably need to wrap up, guys. Last few comments here, and get on to something else. What what are we missing? Oh, I just one of my favorite stories is I think it was D. L. Moody and C. S. Lewis had been kind of respecters of one another, and um, they finally had a chance to meet. And I believe. Um, Moody commented on Lewis's willingness to either smoke and or drink, and Lewis responded with, "Well, you're but you're fat." 
Oh wow! <laughs> and um, I've, it, okay, I, I've I've heard that story somewhere down the line, but it, it reminded me of your your gluttony statement there. And that. when you talk about those two guys, uh, you know, agree with all of the theology or not, but. I think it was those two guys. I may be. I may be Did wrong. Did you say C.S. Lewis? And I thought it was C.S. Lewis and D.L. Moody, but I may. I don't be. think they lived concurrently with each okay. other. Okay, well, so it probably wasn't them. Yeah, probably not. But if it, it was, was someone, that would be an even better be story. I can't remember, be but I'm, I'm sure. But I'm sinful sure. in some way because you're not supposed to talk to dead people. Wow, that is thank a good you, point. thank you, Dave. Well you're done. Welcome. I've got to find. I would like to. We want to hear from you. So, uh, guys, if you got any closing statements, I do. Um, but we also want to hear from the audience. So, what are we missing on this subject? What angle are you thinking of that we're not thinking of? Um, would you agree, disagree, or what did we miss bringing up tonight? Be sure to email us um, this week or uh, uh, send us a you know a tweet at my gospel friends. What's the email? Is it the gospel friends? The gospel friends yeah. at the gospel friends at gmail dot com. You can Facebook. post on the hall of dogma. We want to hear your feedback on this. Chase, what you got the closing statement here? All right, so I'll give you two. Uh, number one closing statement: the finest beverage in the entire world is a really, really good sweet tea with ice and a couple of slices of lemon. In my mind, nothing compares to that. And it would indeed be a stumbling block for me if the word said, do not drink too much <laughs> oh, sweet Spurgeon. tea. Oh, Spurgeon. It was uh, Moody and Spurgeon. Okay, uh, Moody and Spurgeon. Yes, they, yes, I could see that. They would actually have been able to have that conversation. You know what? Without sin. Or, you know, necromancers or... Okay, Medium I'm about to mute you, David. By the way, Spurgeon did stop drinking uh, later in life. He smoked and drank for most of his ministry career, but cut it off uh, towards the end of his life, partially because of health, partially because of conviction. Did he really? Uh, yeah, and then that I'm I'm well aware of that, and and think that there might be wisdom to that. But I'll close reiterating Romans fourteen twenty. Please, uh, whoever side, whichever side on this debate you're on. Please remember: Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean. That's a focus for people that are teetotalers. But for those of us who advocate drinking is okay, it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. Mm. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Therefore, I would say to you, beloved listeners of this podcast, it isn't always about us or our preferences. Amen. Amen to that. Um, Good discussion. Please, um, please... uh, you know, tweet us or email us if uh, if you have any um, comments that we missed. As we transition into the next topic, I do want to uh, just mention a great tweet here by a church member, Anon, at Anon Church member. Um, he uh, posted a, a picture of the Left Behind poster with Nick, Nick Cage. It says, please, uh, at the top caption says, please do not bring unbelievers to this movie. Dash Satan. In other words, Satan was saying, please do not bring unbelievers to this movie. Church member Nan said, I normally don't agree with Satan, but I might make one exception. Oh, my. <laughs> Nick, on to your topic. Oh, my goodness. By the way, I posted some uh, album art for us. Yes, I noticed that. Uh, that was pretty I'm gonna funny. I'm going to have to go look at that. Top at the uh, show um, notes. We may or may not have some commentary from at Christian Goober next week as well. So we'll, we'll just wait and see for <laughs> I that. Can't wait oh, wait. Is that, is that Twitter handle off the, uh, off the market? What, David? I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. Um, so, uh, good buddy, um, friend of the show, Kevin, um, posted an article, and I, I subsequently saw a follow-up. And again, this was a week or so ago, um, closer to the release of Songs of Innocence. But um, basically, it's you 2 hiding their Christianity. Is you 2 secretly Christian? Um, and then some kind of 
<laughs> one guy was actually rebutting, nah, bro, they hadn't really ever shied away from their Christianity. They're just not on the latest passion record. So um, just wanted to dive into a few minutes of kind of talking about, I guess I wanted to focus less on you two by themselves, um, but kind of um, music, Christianity in, in general, and in kind of um, – I'm gonna. I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a detour from the show notes. So I apologize to the other two guys, but I was reading a um, an article actually on the way to to one of our gospel communities, our small groups this week, um, and it was a young man who had been involved in the Christian music scene, and it had helped um, kind of solidify eh, that may be too strong a word, but um, his upbringing in in church um, helped push him away from faith and music helped him quote unquote find himself. And so just kind of general, you guys, um, I'll go with chase first cause he's a little bit more fluent on, um, you too, but you know, kind of this, what we'll call, um, non Christian Christian, maybe music. Um, you two is a good example of this. Um, in modern times, Switchfoot is another um, probably good example of these bands that are overtly Christian in a lot of their um, themes, but then you know their non-Christian fans will say, "No, no, no, no that that song doesn't mean that." But Christian fans will say, "Well, clearly it means that." Um, from from the late '90s, early 2000s, Lifehouse is everything um, was a huge worship song um, that not everyone is convinced was ever about Jesus. Um, you know, kind of down that line, what are your thoughts kind of about music and, and that kind of thing, Chase? We'll just do in general and then we'll dive into some of well, I'll, I'll go. I'll go in general and I'll, I'll throw out kind of a, a big thought at the beginning that probably not everybody will appreciate. I have noticed, and, and I'd love to do, I don't know if it's possible to do a scientific study or not, but it seems like Christian music lends itself in a some sort of sense to a, a straying away from biblical truth. I, okay. I'm talking, you know, we talked about Michael Gunger and, and, and all of that, but um, it just seems it's it's rare to find a band or an act or a solo artist that stays faithful to the word beginning to end. Um, and, and so I'll just be honest with you. you. You may be able to convince me otherwise, Nick. I don't have a lot of patience for an artist who – I love the music of U2. Mm-hmm. But sometimes U2, like the Joshua Tree, etc., there's some uh, overtly biblical-sounding lyrics. And then sometimes there's some overtly – anti-biblical-sounding lyrics. And so it, it's like it weaves in and out. There's a mystery of spirituality there in, in, in a lot of the lyrics of U2. And I'm not sure that, a, that that's characteristic of real believers. Now, we're probably going to hear a video in a few minutes of Bono where he sounds just like a believer. Mm. But when you read a lot of their work, some of it you pick up biblical themes. Some of it you're just like, holy cow, where did that come from? Uh, no, I don't, I don't admit up front. I know maybe one or two U2 songs. I, mm-hmm. I did know, notice that it got forced onto my iPhone, and uh, I haven't listened to this album yet. So I don't have a problem with it. I really li- I like their stuff. Um, I'm, not, uh, I'm not a huge like music guy. I mean, I like music. I've made you know kind of the joke, but it is true. I grew up a huge Garth Brooks fan. 
grew up listening to country music. Um, you know, I've expanded some since then. I have certain bands and certain albums that I like, but what I'm saying, like on a normal day for me, driving down the road, I'm listening to a podcast. I'm listening to some type of a, you know, uh, of a podcast, talk radio or, um, uh, you know, a sermon or something like that. I just don't, I don't listen to a lot of music. So I don't have a lot of uh, feedback there uh, on YouTube specifically, but I don't know if, you know, if the question you are getting into is, you know, I, it's, you know, to me, um, you can have artists who are, you know, crossover. I don't have an issue with that. Like, I, if there's someone who is a, more of a pop guy or, you know, do, does, you know, doing that kind of genre of music, but but he's a Christian, like he really is a follower of Christ. And and he wants to do some songs on an album that really just abs- you know glorify Christ. That's the purpose of it. I don't I don't have a problem with that. I mean I don't I don't I wouldn't you know I wouldn't have an issue with that with that guy. Um, now I do think if you're a Christian and you're over in that pop side of music, I wouldn't expect to hear three overtly Christian songs on your album and the other seven that glorify some type of sin. Then I would say, okay, you're not Christian because three of your songs glorify Christ and seven of them, you know, says what the world wants them to say. I I would have an issue there because you need to be walking it out all the time. I take a guy like, I think I used mention, is it Matt Matt Kearney? Um, Yes. Remember him that I mentioned? I like a lot of his music. mentioned him early on. Matt's a Christian. Um, and I like his music, like his songs. I don't know that I could tell you. I've dissected every one of them, see how they, sure. you know, is there any sin in them or anything like that. But he, <laughs> his, his songs have, his songs have never struck. None of them, even though I think you could hear them and not really know that. Oh, he's singing. You know, he's a Christian or he's singing here about God. I think he has songs that that do both, mm-hmm. um, and I think he does both well. And I don't have an issue with that. I don't. To me, I don't have an issue. I don't know that you would. I don't have a problem with that. I, I would be controversial and say I probably wouldn't have an issue with his music even being done at a church. Uh, one of his songs, if it was a Christian song, but I do know that's controversial um, in some circles. Well, that's, done at a church, maybe not in this, not as a worship, unless it's worship. Well, see, so that, that gets that's that brings well, up a uh, fun. What conversation. if he does a worship song? Yeah, no but problem. one song is a worship song, and but he's not a quote unquote Christian artist. We're talking about Matt Kearney, right? Yeah. How many sinful lyrics per linear foot of uh, writing does he <laughs> four. have? Four. Okay, well, that's okay. Okay, yeah, four that's, below. That's where I'm going. I kid. Oh my goodness, I didn't think you were kidding for a second. Um, I'm joking because I know I know Chase was kidding. Um, we'll we'll end around it back um, to you two because that's kind of where the articles hung out, and basically, you know, basically it's just this, you know, our is U2 a Christian band, or um, are there Christians in U2? And so it, it bleeds over into their to their songs. Um, strange strange footnote here. Um, CCM, um, if anybody's ever heard of them, um, The Joshua Tree is number three on their best albums of all time. Credence uh, Clearwater Magazine? No. Um, I, I think it's the Contemporary Christian Magazine. There you go. Um, so that's, that's interesting enough in and of itself. Um, but reading... Um, Apparently Bono sat down um, with Focus on the Family last year and had had a, some pretty long conversations with them. Well, with Focus on the Family for reals, yeah. How about and, that? And um, there, there's part of the interview we'll play here in a minute. Was um, that on TBN? 
<laughs> wow. Good callback, though. Um, and he actually, one of the, the lines that I don't remember from the, the YouTube sec- or excerpt of the video I watched, but um, he said, it's very annoying following this person of Christ around, he says, chuckling, because he's very demanding of your life. And that's from Bono. Um, you know, from tradition of the band, um, to, to geek out on them a little bit, sorry for the non-YouTube guys who are rolling your eyes, but, you know, their bass player, Adam Clayton, is not a believer and makes no bones about it. Um, if you want to have a Christian scale of the band, apparently Larry Mullen Jr. is the most devout of them, and then Bono and, and Edge are both um, believers as well. Um, but, you know, believers take Edge to task because um, apparently he's not married to the woman he's with and they've been but they've been together but they're not legally married but uh, he's okay. she's the only woman really he's ever been a quote unquote life partner so I guess he's numb to marriage you know wow wow if you were a that's nice Chase thank you if you were and David is just moving on no, well I'm because I'm I'm trying to you know again I don't know a lot about you but if you were in any type of Chase is getting a phone call we need to uh, I'm trying to mute it it's all surprised mute. by that uh, if we, if you were in, <laughs> still going. Sorry. In any other secular circle, okay. All of you know, if you have a job, if you have a, um, if, <laughs> it's my iPad. Oh, so it's, it wasn't great. your phone. It, was it FaceTime and it rolled wow. from one of the it's other? It's Sam's kids trying to FaceTime my kids. <laughs> that is awesome. Tell them not right now. Hey, put them on the podcast. Hello. Oh, Sam would kill us. Never mind. All right, if you and now and now we're getting the uh, feed buzz. From I've the, got it muted. Okay, okay, sorry, sorry, everybody, all you international livers and lizards out there. Let's say you were Golly. in any other type of secular environment, and you're using your creativity to to make things um, in a business or a company. Um, and so, whether your job is maybe making technology or your job is you know making clothes for whatever, um, you know. We're called to do all things we do for the glory of God. Okay. Okay. So, yes, amen. Okay. So, but you know, you don't, not every design you have is going to have a Jesus fish on it I or agree. something like that. It'd be, <laughs> oh, this is a Christian laptop yes. or this is a Christian pair of pants. I mean, you're just doing what you do, but you're told to find a way to do it for the glory of God. I completely, I think you're really hitting on a great nuance. Of Why is that not Christian? true for music? Oh, no, I think it is things. true for music. What, okay. what The part I struggle with calling you to a Christian band is not the fact that not all of their songs are about God, which I don't think a Christian band has to be. It is that some of their songs are uh, about things that are, you know, I'm trying to sound less um, like a Pharisee here. Some of their songs are about things that are just completely unbiblical, hmm. and, okay. and that sort of then thing. I have, and that's where then I, I struggle. Then I would with. struggle. I, w- I grew up a huge Garth Brooks fan. As I said earlier, he had a couple of songs where he mentioned God. And one of his most well-known songs was "Unanswered Prayers," which I, uh, which I've heard people use before, and and quite honest, not in a church worship service or anything. But it it's a pretty good you know song in terms of sometimes God doesn't answer the prayer because it's not the best thing for you. But that's two songs of 
however many hundred that he did, and I would say the majority of his songs were singing about things that were not. You know, so I would not call him a Christian you artist. Think? Just just one or two. Just one or two. I would not call him a Christian artist. I don't think he's ever own. called himself a Christian artist, although I do think he talks about God a lot. So Thunder Roll. Um, and so I'm thinking along the lines of you too, of the the period of time where Elvis uh, was like that. We where Bono dressed up like Satan, for yeah. instance. And, and I would struggle with that. Mephisto, thank you, but you know, but apparent, but Edge was Jesus, I, I and would so probably struggle with that too. Just to be quite clear, <laughs> well, but he, so so here's the okay, so here's the point counterpoint to that, right? I'm going to put on my my very large contrarian, contrarian hat, hat, and also his U2 hat. So. How is that different than a, in a human video that probably our youth groups did when I was a youth and you were a youth pastor? Oh, you you ask a very nuanced question. So and I guess that's the thing. If if their album is this struggle, and I've, and I've seen them, um, it was in the uh, oh my goodness, Elevation Tour DVD. They they played a couple of songs from I think it was the Zuropa tours where they yes. did did that. And um, there, what it was illustrating, and they would bring a they actually brought an audience member on stage, and it was an illustration of the war for someone. Now the Calvinists can. Have a hard time with this, but it was the the we picture will. of the warring over uh, of within someone's soul uh, over good and evil, and for good uh, that that is personified uh, in the purpose of Christ. I don't think Thomas um, would have an issue with that. Hold on, I'm going to meet you. Real we quick. do think there's a war for people's souls. <laughs> I know, I'm messing with you. Um, and and ultimately, Jesus, the Edge, the Light character wins. Um, and that's and that's what those that's what his portrayal of Mephisto was was. Um, Illustrating much like um, C.S. Lewis's book, The Screw Tape Letters. Yes, and and so you know, and, and again, I I don't call you two a Christian band, but I, I think people that kick them out of Christendom and say there's no place for them here make make a drastic mistake. Because um, is it worship music? No, Nick wouldn't pretend to try to make it worship music. You're not going to hear me do that. Um, but especially on Joshua Tree and, and some of their more recent albums, there are some songs that are clearly. Um, they're talking about faith, and then there's also songs. They're just talking about life, and um, he actually talks about Joey Ramone, I, I believe, on his deathbed. They have a song called "In a Little While" um, that Bono clearly says he wrote a, about a hangover. Um, that Joey Ramone made a song, made turned into a gospel song. Um, in a little while, this hurt will hurt no more. In a little while, um, and so there, you know that's the, the the tough thing about music that. Um, you know, I don't want to glorify or demonize you two. I don't want to glorify or demonize Switchfoot. I don't want to glorify or demonize Garth. Um, but I think you've got to be careful with um, to, to demonize things that maybe don't have to be. I don't think they have to put Christ in every song. I just don't think if you're a Christian that you should be doing songs that promote things that are not Christian. I'm not saying U2 does that. I'm just saying general blanket sure. statement there, which probably would be difficult if your band is made up of Christians and non-Christians, but I still think you would have to stick with that. So, yeah, it's, it's tough. I, you know, some of the songs that I think Chase would say are, are glorifying non-Christian, I, I, I would call them talking more about life. Right here, I'm going to have edited um, – we're going to switch to the next segment. I'm going to have edited in part of that, that video about Bono okay. because, you know, whether – you call you two a Christian band or, or not? For a believer, uh, some of his statements here are kind of edifying about the person and life of Jesus. This will be edited in. Well, let's hear it. Well, but they won't be able to hear it through the 
mic well, and I'll have to edit it anyway. Oh, I was just actually just giving you like a place for you to put it. See, I was going, oh. well, let's hear it, and then you were going to edit it in there. Yeah, I so, my bad. You saw my doing? bad dog. I'm... Okay, so let's hear it. All right. Look to the scriptures for poetic truth, um, as well as the sort of historical stuff I'm, I'm, I'm in, interested in. And of course, there was a historic historical Jesus. No, I'm talking about God. Oh, right. And, and do well, you, I see. Uh, I'm the, the person of Christ is my way to understand uh, God. Do you pray? Yes. To whom or what do you pray? To and Christ. Way? To Christ. Yeah. And, and what do you pray for? I pray to get to know um, the will of God, because then the prayers have more chance of coming true. I mean, that's the thing about prayer, isn't it? I mean, we don't do it in a very lofty way in our family. There's just a bunch of us on the bed, usually. We have a very big bed in our house. And all our, we've prayed with all our kids. We, we you know, we just, we, we read the scriptures, we pray. It's not even regular. Sometimes if we go to church on a Sunday, we go when the church has ended and we'll just go in on our own as a family. For peace and quiet. For peace and quiet. And we'll pray, usually about people that we know who are struggling with something, um, illness so, or so, so whatever. So then, what or who was Jesus as far as you're concerned? I think it's, the, it's a defining question for a Christian, is who was Christ. And, and I don't think you're let off easily by saying a great thinker or a great philosopher or, a, you know, because actually he went round saying he was the Messiah. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the Son of God. So he either, in my view, was the Son of God or he was not. No, no, nuts. Nuts, yes. Forget yes. rock and roll messianic complexes. This is like, I mean, Charlie Manson type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that all the millions and millions of lives, half the earth for 2,000 years, have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I just, I don't believe it. I, so I think, therefore it follows that you believe he was divine. Yes. And therefore it follows that you believe that he rose physically from the dead. Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've no problem with miracles. <laughs> I'm living around them. I am one. So, so when you pray then, you pray to Jesus. Yes. The risen Jesus. Yes. And you believe that he made promises which will come true. Yes. I do. And that was awesome. So you, you know, see I, how we did that? He talks like a believer from time to time. I will say this is my uh, my closing statement. Uh, not necessarily about you two, about Christian bands in general. If a Christian band is a, is afraid to engage in First Corinthians one twenty three, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and a folly to Gentiles. At least from time to time, warning, red flags. It, it, I'm not saying they have to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you're a Christian band, you proclaim the gospel. I don't think you can be – I'm not sure you can be a secret Christian band. I, I, I would agree with Did that. you say that earlier? Yeah, well, no, it? but you know, that, that is a good way of putting it. Like, I don't, I, like it, I'm not saying you two calls themselves that. I'm just saying I don't think someone could say, ha, 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 we're fooling everybody. They don't really know it, but we're Christians. I, yeah, well, then totally I think you're doing that. it wrong. Yeah. 
Oh, see, I, I grew up with bands that be like, man, you, you can't you can't like call us Christians. Like we're we're Christians, but Don't we're not a that. Christian band. But our music, like yeah, see, our life a, and our faith, can't not a help. There's verse about. Like, um, you know, not denying well, no, that, that's Jesus the, before me. They wouldn't deny, and that, and that's what's that's what's interesting about this topic. They don't deny Jesus in their personal life. Hey, bro, you're Christian, absolutely. But with their music, they don't try to preach the gospel through their music. But you know why they don't? Because they're afraid it's going to hurt record sales, and that's an issue. Well, these guys didn't sell enough records to hurt the sales, <laughs> but um, they could have probably used some controversy. <laughs> wow, right. David. Let's. Uh, and I'm the contrarian. Here we go. Good discussion. We're going to do some uh, feedback from listeners to end up today. Uh, we've got some specific episode 17 feedback, guys. Chris Stadad. Chris Stadad. Uh, yeah. Okay. We'll just do that every time. Because um, I get called out for um, uh, getting people's names wrong at Herschel. Uh, Chris says, uh, <laughs> at my gosh, friends, we had Round the Twist in the UK. The one I remember is when they were trapped in the lighthouse because of seagulls. I just wonder what those seagulls were trying to do, Chris, but uh, just basing that on the <laughs> on the YouTube video that and we Nobody's saw. ever explained uh, that amazing part of Round the Twist to us. And I don't know if I want to hear about it, but to, the fish Who part. did this to our show notes? Which I one? don't know what happened. The... The, the picture? liquor picture? Oh, that would be. Oh, Chase. that's me. That's our. That's a beautiful. Graphic. Tony Vance said, uh, huh. "Lips that touch liquor <laughs> shall never touch ours." I don't and, think they have uh, to worry about lips touching their lips anyway. Based on the picture, I think that's they the were part of it. I think most people saw that and took a drink. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh no! Tony Vance said, uh, "Send your tweets, Christian podcast to Dave's. Can, well, they, can they say things like, well, that? if any, if any of our listeners ever see that picture, they're going to know where I'm coming from.' <laughs> that may be the album artwork." Tony Vance said, "Spanking uh, doing the uh, discipline section uh, from last week. Spanking was even allowed at school when I was a child. It was seen as needed and a responsibility. That is not really allowed today. Not I at all today. Of. But look, I, pr- I literally had I'm over a hundred sure at school." Maybe yeah. 200, but it, it very truly over 100 spankings in school was wow. had by this guy. Yeah, I told you, man. I was like the Hank Aaron of spankings in, in <laughs> the day. Elijah uh, behaved a lot. that right now without context? <laughs> the Hank Aaron of Without context, it might be uh, not, not good. Elijah. Not the giver of spankings, the, the getter. Elijah T. thanked us for better move on. telling the uh, Northerners uh, what a switch is because he almost had to bust out the Google. So That's good. Uh, he I had guess to bust out what? The Google. Oh. That's what he put, reading his quote. Don't, don't you draw the iron of the general. Did you not? Just about lost it with the Six Flags over Jesus' name for the Holy Land <laughs> compound. That was funny. That wasn't from the general. That was from uh, Michael Woodard. That's what I said. Oh, I thought you said the general. No, Michael Woodard. I oh, talked yeah. about the general because you Michael said Woodard. the Google. Okay, I'm sorry. Michael Woodard. Yeah, he said uh, that was uh, the, the TBN deal at the end, which was uh, pretty good. Brad Melton, we heard from him as well. He tweeted us actually seven things that good God stuff. taught him through the discipline discussion last yeah. week, wow. which was awesome, Praise including God. uh, God's discipline, his learning and correction is just another form of grace that he gives us, hmm. which um, would be true. Uh, hey, how about... Christian adults see discipline as grace about as often as Christian kids do, which is we miss that, but it is true. Mm. Uh, I would would agree. We heard from the doctor this week, Samuel Lovell at Samuel Lovell. Um, we need the doctor to call in and give us a shout. I think that would be uh, cool. Speakpipe dot com. Uh, Samuel, as a international lizard, we would love to hear from you if you would call in and and let us know what time. 
uh, frame in history you're in at the moment. This past week, when I asked him that, he said he was in Oxford getting to re- ready to watch Latimer and Ridley be burned in a couple of weeks. Oh, man, that would be a great thing to – I mean, gosh, that sounds kind of horrible. That sounds morbid. Hey, these I went, guys stood up for the faith as they, they were did. dying. And I went time. and read the story on oh. these guys, and it was quite amazing. Uh, the story, I'd never heard it before. I, he, he piqued my interest, so I went and read. I believe they lived, uh, they were burned at the stake in 1555 mm. for mm. their for their faith. So uh, thank you, Samuel, for uh, calling in. John Talley in the Hall of Dogma this week uh, took up for TBN just a little bit saying that um, I beg to differ on TBM. While a large part of its prosperity gospel, it still carries the gospel into several countries. James Merritt, Jensen Franklin, Franklin Graham, Ed Young are broadcast on TBN. And John says, likely like a large church, some solid folks, some nut jobs, and some that just don't get it. Wow. But again, and this, wow. is the, the, this is what I love, John. But if you have the pastors, if you have some pastors who are nut jobs, some who are solid, et cetera, that's a problem when they're preaching mm. to the body. I'm torn there because, I mean, there's a part of me that I get what John's saying. I mean, you well, know, a la Paul rejoicing over the gospel being preached. All, the gospel is being preached. Uh, but now Dan Richardson came back and he said uh, the problem with solid Orthodox teachers appearing on networks like TBN is that they give credibility to the wackiness. So Boy, the response wow. might be along argument. the lines of, well, we're reaching heaps of people, but that ranks you, pragmatism. So, yeah, and he said solid teachers need to, to mark the so false bad. teachers, so not break bread with them. Mm. Nice, uh, and mm. so that, that's that was a great discussion. That's tweetable, from, yeah, that was a great discussion. In the Hall of Dogma this week. We do have a great question from Bean that came in through the emails, but uh, at Adhesive Wombat. Yes, we will have to deal with that next week because we've talked too much yet again, David. But it's a good question on homelessness. And, well, what was uh, the question? Let's tease it a little bit. We'll talk about it next week. He was working on that. This he, recent New York no. Times piece discusses the recent trend of local municipalities attempting to outlaw homelessness in what I would consider the worst way possible. Why isn't the church more concerned with this sort of thing? How should, should the church respond, and how do the gospel friends feel about the homeless being treated in this matter? Why would you read it in that voice? Because he used, used some big words. Okay. I wanted to, you know, kind good of question. convey the professionalism of this question. question. Good question. We'll, we will question. Uh, hopefully uh, get to that next week. We had some new listeners, uh, guys, this week, or at least some first-time feedback. By the way, Jesus feedback. loves the homeless. Absolutely. We'll put Bean's link in the show notes so you guys can check that out and throw us some feedback. Yo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you guys would um, would write in and give some feedback on it, that'll This would be cool from an international week. perspective as well. Yeah. No doubt. Let's uh, yeah. If you would if you would uh, give some feedback on that link, then we can use that in the discussion next week. Uh, first time listener, first time feedback. Uh, a couple of guys this week. John Laney at X. I think it's Josh Laney. It is. I'm sorry, Josh. Don't it's, mean to correct you. Yeah, no, my beloved brother. I just skimmed over it real quick. Josh Laney. I was actually trying to look at his uh, Twitter handle, which is at X Eternal Soul X. Um, but he's from Washington State. Yep. State said, "Longtime listener, first time tweeter. Really enjoying the show. I'm just now able to tell you guys apart." Hashtag Southern Draw. You know what? This blew me away. Do we? I'd love to hear from other people. Do we really have a Southern Draw? I probably wouldn't want to hear from them. I bet I, you guys have a bad one. I'm a bit surprised at that. I, I don't think we sound all that Southern, but maybe that's just because we know it's a lot immersion. of really, really Southern people. I think he's the second person who said something. Like, I've heard Southern people, and I go, wow, they're Southern. Really Southern, so, yeah. Um, I there are degrees of Southern. We, I guess we there can, are. 
I would love to know roughly what degree we are. Josh I almost asked, feel Midwestern, but that's probably a lie. I think he's the second person, so we should definitely, um, yeah, you should tell us if we sound too Southern. Not that we can do anything about it, but yes. just kind of curious. Um, Josh did ask if uh, he was the first time listener or first listener from Washington State that had contacted us and uh, wanted to know if he got a prize. So I told him we'd probably buy him a box of cereal and then feed it to my kids. That's right. That's the best thing to <laughs> do. Um, we do have other listeners from wow. Washington State, but we don't hear from them very often. He did say that uh, he wanted to hear more from special guest star Emmanuel in the future, and Nick and I absolutely advocate that position. And absolutely. Hopefully David will be on board soon. What's the next feedback, Dave? We heard from Armenian Aquaman this week, who um, apparently yes. we called Aquaman the lamest superhero on we, one we? of our past episodes. I like Aquaman. Yeah, I don't remember seeing that. Actually, I told him that we were talking about Aqua Duck Man. Who, okay, that'll, um, that'll fool him. Protects the channels. And, um, and so we thought he was great. Aqueduct Man is kind of a lame superhero. We'll probably hear from Armenian Aqueduct Man in the next week, and I don't know what we'll say then. Speaking of which, at one point during the sermon this morning, Chase made a point of I would give my arm. He did. For that. And I so wish I could have gotten your attention because all I could think of was plorp. If we put a graphic of arm fall off boy up on the board I would when give I said my that, arm that would be great. Plorp. We also All heard from uh, John uh, at J Hanan, H-A-N-A-N, maybe. Uh, John said, just started listening to the latest episode, Love the IT Crowd Reference, which uh, yeah. I didn't, like I went back and listened. So that big, long string of numbers big, that numbers you gave it, something. Uh, that you had to use in Britain yes. to call the emergency, that was an IT. yes, yeah, IT and, Crowd. And so you guys sent me the, uh, John actually tweeted a uh, video of the IT Crowd, and you tweeted one, and both of them one were One of the funniest shows I've ever seen, not always wholesome family entertainment, but uh, quite witty. And uh, Nick. We have a um, a game a game that has been what? developed. We oh, are we understand. Yes, we have a gospel friends themed <laughs> game that you can play online. <laughs> Tell us about we've it. Got, we've actually well, we've got two, and okay. I'm gonna have I should have them both uh, by the time the show goes out, and I'll be in show notes. If you go to the gospelfriends.com um, slash games, um, I'll pr- I'll try to put a little bit of directory page in there, but. Um, Kevin, Dr. Septim himself, has developed a essentially a rock, paper, scissors game using the, the three of us in which, um, uh, depending on who you pick, the computer will pick another. And um, it, just like paper, rock, scissors, each each of us have one we trump and one we, we lose to. Um, and That's the, funny. And the other he developed is Face Invaders. Face Invaders. Face Invaders. And so you, dear listener, will play as the Gospel Friends logo and try to avoid shots fired by the three Gospel Friends while trying to um, uh, shoot our heads. And yeah, this has that's a real story. That's not a <laughs> no. made up thing at Look, all. This is it's pretty awesome. My high no, score is fifteen fifty. Are so, you serious? Whoa. Oh yeah, dude. That's pretty. That's pretty good. It, yeah, I'll loop through a couple times. It took me a while last night. David so was this is uh, frustrated during show prep. I'm playing it. Are right you serious, now. cheater? Yeah, as we see, as it's we, a little addictive. as we seek, as we seek. It really is because it. it I'm anyway. shooting Chase's heads as as uh, Kevin right. did a really good job with this. Out is, of context. This is fantastic. Okay, so it is a lot of fun. Go to thegospelfriends.com and play Face Invaders. Oh, now you made me try. Ah, okay. Um, my favorite part is shooting past Chase and myself and getting to shoot little Nicks. Yes, that is fun. It's, that's, so, that's what it's got to be. Huh? Well, guys, I hate to be the time Nazi, but we're about out of time. Well, we, uh, we were going to talk about Gaelic football, but we might have to 
again, Punt. dribble that into next week. And I do mean dribble because they dribble in Gaelic football. What? Yes. Yeah, no kidding. We probably are going to have to uh, push that. And we're also going to have to push the discussion uh, about heresy to next week yes. as well. Yes, I agree. Cool. So we will get that. But I think we need to end uh, Chase today with uh, perhaps another video from our good friend Herschel. Herschel Christ. Here we go. Bless her size. Bless her size. Sorry, he what? posted this in the Hall of Dogma. Um, if, Herschel. If, if, you're going to have to turn down no, your Nick, little face Nick, invaders. Turn down game. face invaders for a moment. But, but, so we got to hear this. Chase one. has not seen Bless her size yet, and so I want. Oh, him neither to, I. Yeah, I want him to hear it. So let's. Uh, well, here it comes. You got to come over here, Nicholas. Oh, Lord. Hey, turn it up good, Chase. So Herschel uh, said in the Hall of Dogma, as if the music videos weren't bad enough, I bring you Bless her size. Oh my! Check those glasses out. Oh, those aren't glasses. It's just her face. This video looks like it's from the seventies, maybe. What do y'all think? Eighties? <laughs> so, essentially, what it is is you can't say girded doing that. It's girded is the most awkward word in the Bible. It's a lady um, jazzercising. She's jazzercising to Bible verses and bad um, gospel music. They're about to do the David dance before the Lord. Check dude out in the back in the blue shirt. There's a long guy in the back. Oh, my gosh. So how embarrassing for him. If you were not in the... <laughs> Oh my gosh! Is this for real? I I think Herschel, I you have know. to let us know the provenance of this video. If you are not in the Hall of Dogma, you are missing um, some good stuff. Actually, real quick, you're not you are missing some good stuff. Videos from Herschel. Herschel, I don't know that you can call that missing anything. Uh, there was a discussion this week in the Hall of Dogma regarding um, the difference between heresy and false teachers, and, and yep. we'll we'll try to touch on that a little bit wow. next week if we can. There was also um, some discussion going on Physical about uh, biblical uh, translations, and also um, your thoughts uh, thoughts in the Hall on how often communion should be performed oh, in church good. service. So, um, again, if you're not on Facebook in the Hall of Dogma, missing a lot of good interaction there, and so please uh, please join up. So we, we want you to join the Hall of Dogma if you're not already there. Uh, we're all laughing right now because of something that you'll never hear inappropriately oh, Chase just said. But... Um, <laughs> Go ahead. But we would like we for you after show, David. We would like for you, if you're in the hall, we just ask that you keep it kind and civil. You sound like such a wise sage when you say that. <laughs> Thank you, Chase. Well done. Okay, it, was, it was good having you with us this week. I'm gonna let Chase end it in whatever nineteen sixties type of way he wants to. Go ahead, Chase. I wasn't born in the sixties. Thanks for joining us. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine.